Welcome to the Minnesotan Hockey Podcast, where we here at YHH try to connect the state of Minnesota with people that we find to be entertaining, energetic, fascinating, interesting, what have you. Today on the pod, we have Todd Gutterman, who's been involved in Minnesota Selects on the boys' side for a number of years. He's been a girls' high school coach since 1997. He recently stepped down as head coach of the Forest Lake Girls Varsity Program after a wildly success- successful run over there. And we'd like to take a moment to thank our sponsor, the Minnesotan, for which the podcast is named. You can visit the brick and mortar store in historic downtown White Bear Lake or online at the Minnesotan.com. The Minnesotan quality products for from quality people. I'm wearing a Minnesotan hat right now. I think it looks great. Gotten a lot of compliments on it so far. It's an interesting interview with Coach Gutterman, a lot of insight into what it means to be a hockey parent. Uh a lot of growth stories about his evolution from being the the crazy hockey parent to the the wise veteran that he is today. Hope you enjoy. Love is a burning thing, and it makes a fiery ring. Bound by wild desire I fell into a ring of fire Good afternoon, everyone. This is YHH's Peter Adney filling in for the Tony Scott as he recovers from shoulder surgery. Thoughts and prayers greatly appreciated for our fearless leader. For this episode of the Minnesotan Podcast, we have on the line Todd Joseph Gutterman, the legend, I guess you could say, of the Suburban East Conference, guiding Forest Lake to however many winning seasons and a couple of trips to the state tournament. So we're honored to have him on. Todd, how you doing? I'm awesome. Uh, Peter, I appreciate being on here. Um, like it, it was kind of a shock when you reached out. Uh, like I told my wife, I said, well, they're, they're digging deep to come get me on the <laughs> podcast. But uh, I've really enjoyed listening to the other ones. Uh, in fact, I listened to one on the way home. I just came back from up north and uh, uh, had some awesome, uh, awesome guests on here. So I'm just honored to be a part of it. Which, uh, which guest did you listen to? Ah, oh, man, it, uh, I'm bad with names, but it was the gentleman from Colorado. And man, did he have some awesome stories. He started in Jefferson. Oh, Kent Murphy. Yes, yes, that was uh, that was a lot of fun. Uh, I listened to Darwitz too. Um, Nat's awesome. So uh, had a lot of like I said, you've had a lot of great guests. So uh, well, I came in the other night and we did a little Tony and Peter after dark, and Tony would not stop talking about the Natalie Darwitz interview. I mean, he was just he was so impressed with her and her polish and her stories. So you and I have a lot to live up to. Uh, that's for sure. <laughs> uh, yeah, uh, one of our actually my, the first year we went to state with Forest Lake. Uh, I was lucky enough to get Nats come in to uh, help us with a practice leading up to the state tournament. And uh, you think she's polished uh, in an interview. You should see her on the ice. It's amazing. It's, it's, it's fun to watch. Is it just like watching a general out on the ice? It is. It is. <laughs> um, she's, she's, she's phenomenal at what she does. Well, that's great. It's, and speaking of phenomenal, I'm going to take you all the way back to the early 90s. Now, I don't know how many people listening to this will remember St. Paul in the early 90s, but St. Paul used to have some pretty darn good hockey. All the public schools 
had their had their teams. And one Todd Gutterman led the St. Paul City Conference in scoring in nineteen ninety three. Do you remember your stat line from that year? Um, I, you know, the only reason I do is I had to look it up last night. And I, I think, yeah, I think if I remember what I saw last night was, uh, and it was conference games only was 16 goals, 11, or was it 16, 13 and 29, 16, um, 13 and 29, right? Yes. On. And I do know I missed a couple games with a separated shoulder as well, but, uh, yeah, it was, uh, that was a fun year. What do you think your totals would have been if you hadn't missed a few games? Uh, it depends if I was missing, uh, games against central or Johnson and Creighton. <laughs> <laughs> would you, do you think you would have been a Mr. Hockey finalist if you'd played in those games? No. Oh, darn. No, not even, not even close. Um, I don't know. I mean, I started out at Hill, um, and, uh, things didn't work out there. So I, uh, went to, I don't know if many people remember the good old East side midgets, uh, Wessie's boys, Wes Barrett. Oh, uh, absolutely. Best coach I've ever had. We took second in state my first year with him, and we won the state tournament my second year. And then uh, I went to Harding and and played one year my senior year just because I wasn't eligible my junior year. Well, Wesley's boys was an interesting group. They always seemed to have a half dozen really really talented kids that for whatever reason weren't playing weren't playing high school. But gosh, they they had some great teams. Yeah, we were. Uh, I think that second year we won state. We probably would have beat a few high school teams out there. We had, we were very fortunate to have quite a bit of talent. Would Wesley's boys fall under the category of junior gold? I guess if we were looking for a modern comparison. Yes. Okay. Yep. Who is the, who is the preeminent junior gold team in the nineties other than Wesley's boys? I'm trying to think the first year we lost. I don't know. You know, I mean, it kind of today, you know, it's, I think you have your Edinas and, and a lot of the same teams leading the way back. Uh, then it was kind of switched. I know my brother played for the A&L Pioneers, um, which was Hill's team. And then when I came through, that wasn't there. But uh, they won a state tournament. I know West St. Paul actually beat us the first year in the state championship. Wow. Um, we were 5-0 and against them during the year, and they beat us when it mattered. And then, uh, trying to think, it might have been Coon Rapids we beat in the state title that uh, the second year when I was there. Wow, were those teams just loaded too, or was Wesley's boys one of those outliers that happened to have a bunch of varsity level talented guys? You know, the the top end teams back then, uh, in the you know, midget, whatever junior gold nowadays, they there was there were some some good teams. Um so um I mean I think we won that second year, we won it in overtime. So you started at Hill and then moved over to Wesley's boys and then ended up at Harding. What was transferring? like in the 90s because i feel like people in 2020 especially with the advent of the internet it feels like everybody thinks that transferring has just become a thing four or five years ago yeah it's a lot different now i mean i when i did it um uh i followed my brother to hill and then uh i just i still had all my buddies at harding and i just i just felt like you know for me that was a better fit to go back there um and I went back my junior year, but like I said, they had, uh, back then, I think it was 90 days. And so I had to sit out my junior year. Um, and then, uh, so I just played with Wessies and then moved, uh, played, uh, varsity my senior year for Harding. Who were some of the guys you played with at Harding? I'd imagine there were some really talented kids. You know, um, we had a, we had a pretty good core. Uh, I mean, some of the guys that were there my senior year, um, you know, I mean, we had, uh, some of the underclassmen, Ricky Thomas, um, 
you know, I think Teddy Walewski was there. His boys at Johnson now, mm-hmm. um, you know, some of the kids in my grade, we had Jimmy Rodriguez, uh, the defenseman, Brian Olson, a good buddy of mine. Um, he passed away a few years ago from cancer, but uh, he was a great player. Uh, you know, so Maddie bill, he had a couple kids come through white bear. Um, you know, I could go on. There's, there's a lot of good kids, but you know, at, at peewees, uh, we actually lost to the famous Jefferson team, uh, in regions. And back then it was just one team out of a region. It was single a limb and we lost They had an empty net goal, but we had a really talented team. Uh, I think we finished the year, even though we didn't make the state tournaments, uh, number five. And, uh, but you know, we had myself and a few others go to Hill and some went to Creighton and, um, so kind of split up. Was that the, was the team called the Harding Peewees or was it under a different association? No, it was, it was Harding. Um, okay. yeah. Interesting. Cause you just, you never think of it now cause there's the St. Paul caps and then there's the Johnson Como North St. Paul, whoever else they need to put into the co-op to make the numbers work. What was that like having just every high school literally had every public school had a feeder program? You know, it was, it, it was a lot different. It was a lot of fun. Um, it created rivalries, um, uh, especially Harding, uh, you know, and it's funny, it's kind of like, you know, Johnson was Harding's rivalry, but I don't know that Harding was Johnson's rivalry. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, but that was the team, the target we always looked to take down. Um, and most of the Johnson teams were better, but, uh, at youth, when that group came through, um, we were one that was always able to, to, uh, take out Johnson. So, um, it was a lot of fun. Um, you know, it's, it's like you said, it's a lot, a lot different over there now. Um, but, uh, it was a sad day when I saw Harding no longer have not only youth, but high school hockey. Yeah. What, what year did the youth association go away? I'd imagine it would be early 2000s, maybe. I think, yeah, I was just going to say it was had to be the early 2000s. Okay. So the, those rivalries, were those games just war on ice? They were, yes. <laughs> um, sometimes uh, <laughs> carried to the stands, too, but yeah. Um, you know, uh, we all, I think everybody back then in the city conference played at Aldrich. Um, everybody so. Did. Um, I know that we played Johnson twice a year there. Um, I'm pretty sure about well, Creighton, I don't think did, but yeah, it was, it was, a it was a good environment. I mean, they packed it in, um, and, uh, didn't matter what the score was or what the outcome was. It was a, it was a fun environment to play in. And then everybody went out and everybody partied and then everybody, uh, everybody talked about the next time they were going to get that guy who cross-checked them <laughs> on the blue line or, or what have you. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Did you guys grow up playing against each other in other sports as well? This might be a little bit of a, a throwback considering how many, you know, travel and select teams and elite teams, whatever, but mostly in St. Paul, at least kids played for their rec center. So did you guys face the same guys in other sports that you did in hockey as well? There was uh yeah. Uh, but as we got older, um, East twins was the big, uh, big baseball program still is, I believe. And a lot of times we'd end up on the same teams as, is some of your, your hockey rivalries. Mm-hmm. I, I don't want to compare us too much because you're obviously so much more entrenched in the hockey world and we're probably a much better player than I was, but I spent a couple years at East twins and that's the only reason I know any of those East side kids is because we all oh. ended up playing together. Um, with the, uh, with the green monster in right field. Yep. Yeah. So who, yeah, it was, uh, no, no, good, go times. good times. No, I was gonna say, it was good times there. It's, it's a little nostalgic riding the bike to the baseball field. Eh? Yeah. 
Did you watch any of Dream State this year when Johnson I watched was featured? Every, every episode. Uh, there's a handful of those kids. So my boys, uh, we were a part of the Johnson program. My oldest has uh, just turned 21, uh, just finished his junior career. And uh, so he played through squirts. And then my next one, uh, he had one year of mites left when we moved up to Forest Lake. So um, I coached uh, you know, some of those kids at mites. Wow. What's it like being a junior hockey parent? You know, it's, it's an eye opener. I can tell you that, um, you know, at that point, uh, in my experience, I've only had one go through it, but, uh, it is much more about the business side of it than it is about the hockey side. Um, you know, uh, kids in that world grow up in a hurry, especially ones from Minnesota that haven't had to deal with that type of environment before. Mm -hmm. Um, but, uh, all, all in all, he had a great experience. That's great. Do you think that Minnesota kids are not handicapped, but even with the the amount of talent in the state and the cutthroat nature that some of these kids go through with tryouts, it, it feels like they're just not as prepared as some of these kids from Massachusetts or Michigan or California that have played tier one their entire lives. It just feels like the Minnesota kids, once they get to juniors and they do realize that you can be replaced at any minute, it feels like they take it a little bit harder than some of those tier one kids based on my experience only I can say yes. Um, and there's a lot of, a uh, lot of parts to it. I mean, there was, um, you know, we had a, a team that used to be in forest Lake and they're, uh, USPHL, but we billeted a couple kids, you know, and these are kids that are, you know, 18 years old and they're on their fifth year of being billeted. Um, you know, Minnesota kids, you know, they got to move out with a family and that's the first time or first experience away from home. So I do believe that, yeah, it, it has a little bit of a, of an effect. Does it just come down to the kid in the, at the end? Yeah, absolutely. If they can, if they can handle all the player movement, that, that would yeah. be such an interesting study. It I, don't would know, be. I don't know if you could actually do it cause it would take in, so it would take in you know, different emotions and maybe some stuff that couldn't be quantifiable, but looking at how players that have gotten used to being billeted versus Minnesota kids that have been raised at home, how do they handle certain trajectories and how do they bounce back? Yeah, that would be an interesting study. <laughs> See, now, now we're getting too far ahead of ourselves. Now I have other things on my, on my list and I don't need a full plate right now, you know, cause COVID-19 has just given me so much to do. Yeah. <laughs> it's time for passion projects. Well, I'm excited that I just got an email that uh, we get to hit the ice June 8th up here in Forest Lake. Uh, <clears throat> so we're doing uh, small sessions, eight players and one instructor, but it'll be good to get back on the ice. It'll be good to get back on the ice. And do you think you'll get more done maybe with a smaller amount of kids? I believe so. Absolutely. Um, I'm, a, you know, I, I, I I'm big on the skill side of it. I love that part. Um, I know, uh, I think Andy Blaylock has done some stuff with youth hockey hub and I believe he's the greatest best kept secret in the States. Um, a lot of the skating skill stuff that I utilize, um, I learned from him. My boys were fortunate enough to play with him, uh, way back when he had what was called monopoly hockey. Monopoly uh, hockey. Yes. It was a triple a team that he ran out of his competitive edge when they were in Rogers. Oh my God. Um, uh, so Andy Blaylock and Scott Broca. So I learned a ton from him. Um, so yeah, but definitely when you have those smaller groups like that, you can give them more individual attention. And I think it's uh, better from a skills standpoint. Do you think it makes you a better coach too? Because you can't just point at a corner and say, all right, everybody go down there. Let's do a drill. 
Absolutely. <laughs> yes. Um, obviously you're more in the spotlight and you got to manage it. Uh, you know, so, but yeah, I mean, I, I don't know. I, I love, I just love being on the ice. I love being with kids and working with them and, and hopefully making them better at both on and off the ice. How have you been keeping busy not being able to be on the ice? Um, so I, uh, fortunate enough to have been able to work through this. I work at home. Um, but, uh, I have, uh, my, so I've, I got a gamut. I got the 21 year old on one end and then I got the 10 year old. That'll be a second year scored <laughs> on the other end. So, uh, him and I have been doing, um, some agility drills, some sprinting, some stick handling, some shooting. So, uh, he keeps me plenty busy. You know, you're not going to get a break for at least another eight years, right? <laughs> I do know that <laughs> <laughs> harder player to manage the junior player or the squirt. Um, and they each have their, their, um, tough parts, but I'd probably say overall the junior player, um, just, uh, it's more on the mental side of the game at that point. Um, so, you know, it's keeping the emotions in check and dealing with a lot of that stuff. Uh, honestly, I, the benefit of having for my young one is he gets such a different, uh, hockey upbringing than my oldest one did. Uh, cause I'm different. I've grown a lot. Um, I look back at some of the things I did with, with Blake, <laughs> the old one, and I'm like, sorry, bud. <laughs> what are, what are some of those things? If you don't mind me asking? Well, I mean, you know, you look at, um, and I don't want to beat it up too bad, but, uh, you know, we, we bought into that pill of, of the year round and, you know, going to Canada and Chicago and chasing everything everywhere. And, um, I look back at his, uh, his hockey career and really the, the main benefit I believe he got out of all that running around, all that money and all that time is relationships, which is awesome. I mean, he's got buddies playing in the NHL. He's got buddies that have won, you know, D one national championships with UMD. Um, you know, so, I mean, some of that stuff is, 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 you know, phenomenal, but from a hockey standpoint or a development standpoint, um, I don't think it's what it's all cracked up to be. So, um, Brock and I just kind of stick local. Uh, coach John Lou, the varsity boys coach here in Forest Lake has what's called Tundra and, uh, it's, it's very low key. And, and, um, to be honest with you, it keeps, uh, keeps him motivated and more passionate about the game than, than never having that break. Wow. It, that does sound like something that you would just learn as you get older as a, as a hockey parent. It feels like it's really easy to get wrapped up in some of that year round stuff when you first start out and you're thinking, if I don't do this, am I somehow shorthanding my kid? Absolutely. And that's exactly how I felt with Blake. So we did it all. And I, I can't lie. Probably, you know, I mean, uh, he, he made the highest level team everywhere he went. So probably made him a better squirt and a better peewee. But when you get to Bantams in high school and puberty hits and athleticism comes to the forefront, um, I don't think that at that point that it makes much of a difference. As the players get older, do you think that it's the kids who – Everybody says they love the game, but as I've gotten older, I think I've realized that maybe not everybody loved, loved the game. Like the guy that I trained with told me that the guys he knew that played Division One and Pro, they wanted to be at the rink all the time. They never wanted to leave. So the same way that athleticism kind of pushes some kids to the side, maybe the kids whose interests aren't only linked to hockey, those kids get pushed to the side as well. Absolutely. That's, there's no doubt about that. Um, and that's one of the conversations I've had a lot with my oldest is, um, 
you know, I, I, right or wrong, uh, social life was probably number one. Um, and he might've shortcut some of the opportunities he could have had cause he didn't, it was exactly what you said. He said he loved it, but his actions didn't show he loved it as much as he said. Mm-hmm. Um, and he, like I said, he still went on played three years at juniors, had a blast. Um, you know, has an opportunity looking at a couple of D three schools. Um, but you know, I think he might've cut himself short because, um, he lacked that true, true passion to, to really make hockey the number one part when it needed to be. And part of that might be on me. Cause I, we did it so much when he was younger that maybe when he got older, that love and passion wasn't there. Who do you think it's harder for to admit that the love and passion might not have been there? The kid or the parent parent <laughs> because the parent should know better, right? Yep. Yep. <laughs> So now well, I hear it all the time. I got, I got my, my, you know, Brock's a squirt and, and I try to guide some of these younger parents cause they're, you know, I have some of them, they're playing on the blades, they're playing on Euro, they're doing multiple teams, multiple tournaments. They're, they're always gone. And I try to tell them, you know, from my experience and they're like, but I talked to my, my son or my daughter and, and they want to do it. And I'm like, oh, so did mine. But at nine, eight, nine, ten, 10, do they really know what they want? Yeah. And do they, um, do they really want to go play hockey or do they want to go fool around in the locker room with their friends? Yep. Which is yep. fine. Cause they're kids. I mean, they, that's, that's what they do. But it, once you start asking yourself, is this something I really want to do full time? Do I want to make this my job? I think that's a question that eliminates a lot of kids right off the bat because they don't want to do it for a living. Yeah. Which is, which is, I wish more kids were okay with that. Me too. Yep. You know, um, and that's, that's been our standpoint with Brock. Uh, he's the young one is, um, you know, we'll do, we'll do some things that he, um, you know, just to keep him going. But, uh, you know, he plays lacrosse, baseball, football, um, and, uh, we limit the, the hockey. He doesn't typically, obviously this year's a little different, but typically he will not skate May, June or July at all. Uh, three full months, just nothing. Um, and, uh, we, at Tundra, we do, I think, in the past, we've done 15 hours of practice. So, you know, it's very low key. Just keep them going a little bit. Um, try to keep that passion there. Try to keep that passion there. And try to keep your passion there, too. I can't imagine that parents love being at some far-flung rink in Bensonville, Illinois, every other weekend during the summer. No, it's been much better. Uh, we had that gap. So there was some time, and that helped me realize, too, is uh, my in-laws live on a lake up in Crosby, and, uh, so when the other older boys were done with that triple A and the younger one wasn't there yet, and we got to spend weekends at the cabin on the lake fishing or skiing or whatever, um, we're like, well, <laughs> this is much better. What is this? <laughs> <laughs> Who's the best water skier in the family? Um, I probably have to go with the oldest. Okay. Just because he's um, the oldest. Yeah, but he probably, uh, he, he's, he's got a lot of buddies and, and, you know, it's probably not even skiing as much as wakeboarding and other things, but he's got a lot of buddies that have lived on the lake. So he's probably spent the most time doing it. I got you. It repetition repetition. Yep. I found makes you really good at, at wakeboarding. I'm terrible at it. I think I tried it once and I, I felt like I tore my ACL, but, and then I just realized maybe I'm just not athletic. Oh, we all learn <laughs> things as we get older, right? Yes. So with the, with the way that your forest lake, season ended with uh please don't punch me through the phone for bringing it up in eight nothing loss to eventual state champion Andover has 
the relative calm after the initial chaos of the COVID shutdown, has that almost been beneficial where now you just, you have time to just kind of relax instead of going right into the, to the spring season? Yeah, I think so. I think it did to certainly help, um, you know, and, and you got it. There's no doubt you have to give credit, um, that Andover team. Um, you know, it's a team that we have traditionally focused on taking their, uh, they love to go low to high, uh, and then find that player sneaking down the high slot. Um, and I look up to the three, four previous times we played them. Um, we were able to keep, you know, we got a one, nothing shutout. Uh, the other time, you know, we're up three, two with 13 seconds left. So we held them the two goals there, even in the regular season, it was a three, one loss. So we had, we had traditionally been able to keep that, that machine off the scoreboard. Um, and it started with, uh, just solid D zone and keeping it close and keeping it tight. And, and they came out and jumped us early. Um, and that got us on our heels and out of how we wanted to play. So, um, and they just ran with it from there. What did you think about their run during the state tournament? Was it at least nice to see somebody from your section win the title? You know, it was, um, and, uh, they, they got a, they got a tremendous group of girls, uh, you know, coach, uh, Volk is just, she's awesome. Um, Melissa, I just, I, I love what she's done with that team. She's been there, you know, I think the last six, seven years, uh, you know, so she's had some lean years. She's had some really good years. She's got some phenomenal years coming up. Mm-hmm. Um, but, uh, I was very excited, uh, for that group, um, to go finish the deal. And I'll be honest when, uh, when Edina jumped up to rip with, uh, the defense they play and the goaltender they had, I didn't like Andover's chances, but that team showed their grit. <laughs> well, that that's an excellent point. I know our our YHH text string started blowing up after they went up two, and we all thought, "Oh boy, here they go! All they got to do is pack it in for the rest of the game, and and they should be fine." But that that Andover group, man, they are whoa! They are just yep. they are something special. Yeah. And they got what a group of twelves that'll be moving up here. That might be better than the group that's there. Oh my gosh! <laughs> I, it's, they they went like fifty and one, and I think they lost one game by two goals in the region, and then they made it to state. But obviously, state was canceled. But yeah, their their twelves are really really good, and I'm assuming their tens are. I'm just assuming everybody down to the nursery in Andover yeah. is born, <laughs> born with a pair of skates. Yeah. Yeah. It's going to be a, it'll be a fun run for that team. It'll be a fun run for that team, but I think to shift gears a little bit into the future, a team like in Andover who is just so loaded from high school down to the youth level and a program like Edina who's so built from the, from the high school level all the way down to the youth level, is, this, is it going to create something that becomes too top-heavy for its own good in girls' hockey? You know, I, I, there's some that say that I don't think so. Um, I believe, um, you know, the, the unique part about girls hockey, I think versus boys hockey. And this is where, um, you know, uh, I look at forest Lake and their future. And I think that I, I know, in my opinion, they're going to be fine because the reality is, um, you know, we had an anomaly, 13 seniors, um, all very good hockey players, all could have graduated or played college hockey. Um, some chose lacrosse other routes, but, um, you don't see that very often. So, you know, if you can get three, four from a class senior through freshman and pitch in maybe an eighth grader. Um, I mean, you look at what Josie St. Martin brought to Stillwater as an eighth grader this year. Right. Um, you can still build 
something to compete. Now you're going to need a, a solid goaltender to maybe make those 40 saves or so. Um, but, you know, I think most people just assume an Edina and over state title game for the foreseeable future. And that is a possibility. But I also think that there's an opportunity for some teams to sneak in some upsets. Who are some of those teams, if you don't mind me asking? We'll use a we'll use a real crystal ball instead of well, just our own assumptions. You know, it's it's. I don't know a ton of the states um, coming. I, the one team that I think of um, that I I like, uh, you know, maybe top to bottom is that I think can piece it together. That I think might surprise some teams. I mean, you obviously Maple Grove is always good, um, but you know, you look at a team like Blaine, um, and I believe their goalie was a freshman last year. Mm-hmm. Uh, and she kept them in a lot of games, um, you know, and as that kid matures and gets better, um, you know, it, it takes a, a, a goalie like that. And then you build some solid, uh, players and systems around it. And it gives you an opportunity. Um, you know, I, I, I really look at, you know, Forest Lake's got a nice crop of freshmen coming in. Um, you know, they did, uh, they beat most of your top teams at 15s this year. Um, they did lose out on going to state, um, but they beat Edina the first game of regions. Um, you know, so they've shown some promise. Uh, and like I said, you take a couple of those kids, plus they had some really nice players at the 12, just takes a couple per class. And do you think coaches have to get used to maybe a year or two of growing pains with some of these young players? Are, are the majority of coaches good at dealing with those growing pains? I believe they are. I really do. Um, you know, and you got to know your player. Uh, I mean, you look at, and I'll go back to her, Josie St. Martin. I mean, there was no growing pains with that kid. She came in <laughs> and she was a, a, an impact immediately as an eighth grader. Um, you know, I, I had uh, the first year, actually, yeah, the first year we went to state, we had, you know, we brought six eighth graders with us. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, those kids came in at eighth grade and made an impact. Um, but, uh, you know, there's some, there is going to be some growing pains, um, you know, obviously strength and, and some of those other areas that, uh, you know, an eighth grader going against a senior. Um, but I think most, most coaches uh, are good at dealing with it. How impatient do coaches get when they see down the pipeline that maybe the seventh grade class or the eighth grade class is really, really good, but they're going to be really good in, you know, three or four years. Does the impatience ever gnaw at coaches at all? It's tough for me to speak for other coaches. Um, I mean, I know for, from my standpoint, yeah, you, you know, you're, you're certainly thinking about that, but bottom line, um, this year, uh, I basically told, and I had some, some pretty quality freshmen and hockey players and I sent every single one of them back to play 15s. I just, you know, uh, with the, with the group I had, um, and, and the, the both the JV and the varsity, um, you know, there's some that maybe could have moved up and down and, and certainly helped our JV out, but, you know, to go play those 40, 50, 60, whatever games at 15s, um, I just was, you know, I wanted to be patient with those players because that's what I felt was best in their interest. And, and I think ultimately most coaches are going to do what's best for the player. Um, in most cases, I want to believe that. Well, I'm sure it saves headaches down the road when you're, when you apply a level of patience. To waiting for kids to be ready instead of forcing them into the starting lineup when when they're not ready to play at that level absolutely um i mean it's you know it ultimately it helps the team but it helps their development um you know and uh you know i had one of my seniors that just graduated she was extremely close her eighth grade year um i just felt like her her puck skills needed a little more work and i probably could have taken her as an eighth grader on, on the varsity 
Uh, but I sent her back to 15s and she wasn't very happy with me at the time, but I told her, I want you to work on your puck skills. And that kid's now a division one hockey player. Um, you know, so. Wow. It worked Tru- out for her. trust the coaches. That's uh that's not a popular opinion in some circles. No, it's not. <laughs> <laughs> the forest Lake does lose a huge senior class. I believe, uh, what did we say last night? A dozen, a dozen players I, graduated. Yeah, there's 13, 13. What does it feel like your own kids are kind of moving on? I know it sounds cliche, but does it feel that way? No, to me, it does. I mean, especially, like I said, we had six of them since they were eighth graders uh, and then they all came up as freshmen. Um, you know, so you've been with them for the last five, six years or four or five years. Um, so, uh, but you know what? Um, they, they really changed, uh, the, that whole group, including there's a few juniors in there, but really changed, um, plus some of the players that graduated, but you look at Forest Lake girls hockey, um, they had never won a conference championship, uh, until this year they had won three straights, uh, had back-to-back state tournament appearances, you know, five straight section finals. Um, so, uh, you know, it's, uh, it's a group that really put the program on the map. How do you still have hair after going to five straight section finals? You got to see me without a hat. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if I want to do that to myself. <laughs> there, there's not much there. <laughs> so at the at this point, I'll I'll throw this out there. After losing thirteen seniors and losing a group of players that kind of built the forest, because these girls were good as youth players. They they've all they were always kind of uh, the group where they were a bit like a lighthouse for Forest Lake. So the community could point to that group and think they're going to be really good. So did it make sense to step down after this season? I'll be honest. That really had no impact in my decision. Um, it is a very talented group. I think at tens, they lost one game to Brainerd. And then at twelves, they beat Brainerd in the state championship um, you know, so those two programs, both at that age, age level really had uh, a lot of success all the way through. Um, but, uh, my intentions at the end of the season were fully to come back. Um, and, uh, had a few meetings, uh, with the AD and, uh, you know, some of the, some of the returning players just, you know, weren't, weren't overly satisfied with their roles. Um, which, you know, it's tough when you got a big class like that. Um, and, uh, you know, it, it's tough for me, uh, cause I look, uh, I speak from experience, you know, you talked about how was, how was it going to be a little different for Brock than it was Blake. Um, you know, I look back, Blake was an A squirt and that was the first year Johnson and Como merged and they brought in, um, coach from each association, the coach that, that A squirt team, and I was that crazy hockey parent that year, and I'm not proud of it. Uh, you know, I probably made myself look like a fool and, 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 and more importantly, embarrassed my son. Um, but, you know, it wasn't run the way I wanted it run, and I thought my way was better, and I thought I had a better plan for, for Blake. And the reality is, whether it's a good good experience, bad experience, it doesn't matter. It's you got to teach your kids how to deal in, in, in all those situations. And I failed in that, in that circumstance. So when I look back at how some of these parents, um, you know, some of the accusations were completely false, not even close to being accurate. They went above the AD right to the, uh, superintendent and he doesn't know me, you know, didn't take the time to know me. Um, I, I work extremely hard. I read probably a book a week. Uh, just to try to improve myself so I can be a better, uh, 
coach and a better person uh, for the players I, I do get to interact with. And, you know, it, it it's a really, I look, because I was the St. Paul Blades for 10 years from 97 to 07 and then coming back, um, I watched a recent podcast. I don't know if you know Simon Sinek or not. I, I do not. Okay. But there's an awesome podcast out there and he talks about how a lot of the kids today, you know, there's four pieces, parenting, technology, impatience, and environment. Um, you know, and the parenting side is, is they really want to shield their kids from any adversity. They don't want them to have to deal with tough times. Um, and you know, the, the, the technology part, you know, Instagram, Facebook, what do you see? You only see positive, positive. Everybody puts everything positive. So then they start to compare themselves. You know, the impatient part is we're in an instant gratification society. So these kids are so used to getting what they want when they want immediately, you know, so there's a lot of, lot of parts at play. And, and I think from a coaching standpoint, that's one of the things that, um, we have to really focus on is how to best manage all those pieces outside of just the hockey part. Cause, um, you know, I truly believe, and the way I raise my boys is listen, the more adversity you go through, the better off you're going to be. Uh, it's not the situation that matters. It's how you respond to that situation. And, uh, I don't think that's being taught to a lot of our young athletes. And I'm really concerned when some of these people get out in the, you know, these kids get into the real world and all of a sudden they have a boss and, you know, you don't get a trophy for just showing up. You actually have to work. <laughs> that's, that's an interesting point, uh, considering the, the financial hardship that so many families are probably facing during this uncertain time. Like if you can't handle not getting a participation medal, I don't know how you're going to deal with a global pandemic. You're going to curl up and, and fold your right? tent. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, I, so I just, uh, I, I met with the 80 a couple of times. Um, and, uh, a lot of people don't realize the amount of time and effort that high school coaches put in. If we, if we did it for the, we clearly don't do it for the money. Cause if you break it down <laughs> to the time put in, uh, it's probably about a nickel an hour. Oof. Um, but there's the time spent, you know, building relationships with college coaches. There's the time spent breaking down film. I went and I rewatched every single goal uh, six straight years because I wanted to make sure stats on Hockey Hub were as accurate as possible. I, I you know, Thank you um, for that. so yeah, there's a lot of lot of extra things, and it just came down to a conversation with my wife and I. Um, and uh, she's like, Todd, she goes, you know, if, if you're gonna sacrifice your family and and put as much time as you do into that program and they don't appreciate it i think that's your answer um and so i just decided you know what um maybe it's a good time to resign and uh focus on uh on my younger one uh you know so next year um i applied as a non-contingent a squirt coach so it's up to my son if he's on my team or not because i'll coach the team whether he makes it or not but uh we're gonna we're gonna move down in the ranks to the A squirts at Forest Lake, and I'm actually I'm looking forward to it. It'll be a, a great time. Well, I, I wish you all the best moving down in the squirts. I don't know if the uh, the parental fangs get any less sharp uh, the farther you move down the ranks, but uh, with the tools that you've gathered during your career at the varsity level, I'm sure that they'll uh, that they'll be lucky to have you. Yeah, it'll be fun. Um, you know, uh, and I will let you know, um, just a little plug here that I did, I did make sure to get a hold of my tournament director and my squirt director. And I am hoping that we get into the squirtacular. Uh, we had, <laughs> we have not been in that yet as an association. And, uh, I hope there, I hope we get there. 
that's that's awesome. I've never had a I've never had an interview uh, pl- <laughs> plug their team for the Squirtacular before. It's uh, right right now. We're just hoping to get anything off the ground. With, that's uh, true too. Because I mean, we uh, unfortunately we don't run practices. We run games, and games are going to require a little bit more than what yeah, they'll be permitted to do. It'll be interesting next year to see, you know, if if and how this is still affecting seasons. Oh gosh, I I, I can't even think past past uh, past one thirty, let alone into the into the fall. Yeah. So there, you you mentioned you're going to coach the the Squirt A team. You do have some experience coaching boys. You're the VP of Minnesota Selects for the boys. How did you get involved with Minnesota Selects, which for my money is the greatest? Um, tournament festival whatever you want to call it of the summer well i appreciate that i mean i know this goes way before uh way before me but i started back when i was a assistant with the saint paul blades i started as a coach on the girl side uh so i coached on the girl side up there for um a few years and then um my oldest is a 99 so when it came time for the 99 birth year i was asked to come back and coach again and then uh, the next year they needed uh, a director. So then I went and I was an East director. So basically my job was to help find the East coaches and build those teams. Mm-hmm. Um, and then that led to me being the vice president on the boys side. Um, and, uh, you know, we, uh, we have a great, great group of individuals that not only started that, but continue to work that tournament. And uh, we officially did cancel it this year. Uh, probably the toughest decision we had to make, but we just felt um, you know, just with the hardship financially on families. Um, and then obviously, like you said, the uncertainty of what's going to be available at rinks. We just felt for this year, it was the best decision and look forward to hopefully putting on a great 2021 festival. Are there moments during selects where you just, you look at the, the sheer amount of talent out on the ice and you think, goodness gracious, how do we have this many kids that are you know, I, so good? <laughs> the funny part is we'll sit up and uh, you know, the rare times we're not moving, we'll be up in the director's office and it looks overlooks the main rink at St. Cloud States. And mm-hmm. you know, you, you, this year, 2010s would have been the youngest age group up there. And those kids have better puck skills than I did as a senior winning a scoring <laughs> title. <laughs> you know, it's like, it's amazing what these young athletes, uh, both boys and girls, the talent that they have, you know, the group I feel sorry for sometimes is the poor little goalies because they are oh, stuck. Those goalies are outstanding, but I don't care how good you are as a little 10 year old goalie. When these kids have the stick skills and the shots that they have. Yeah. I just, those, those little kids and their little equipment, they, they just, they have no shot, especially when you're facing, you know, 15 kids who know how to pick their corner. Yeah. Yeah, it's uh, but yeah, you look out on that ice from you know we go five age groups and from the youngest to the oldest. I mean, it's absolutely amazing the talent talent that's out there. Yeah, well, we'll we'll use the um, the oldest age group. What is it? Ban- is it Bantam Minor? Is your oldest boys age group? Yeah, um, we go straight birth year. Um, but uh, it, this year, um, I think it was this oh six. Okay, yeah. So oh sixes would have been your oldest. Yeah. But at that top level, do you remember a year where there was a kid that just blew everybody's mind, even going going all the way back to when you started? No, nope. No, there's at the first year there is, you know, um, you look out there and you see, uh, I mean, 
you know, I'll just use one. My, my one boy's in 02 and his first year up there, they played the North and uh, there was a kid that everybody knows now because of the state tournament, Grant Slikinski. And uh, they beat the East the first game. And I think it was like seven, four. And I think Slikinski had four goals and three assists and he looked like he was <laughs> the only kid on the ice. So nothing's um, changed for him. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but you know, then you fast forward and, 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 um, I believe that that talent gap does close. I mean, obviously the kid had an awesome state tournament, he's still a, a high end player going to play D one at, I believe Michigan tech, but, uh, you know, um, I personally don't remember someone at that oldest age group where they were like the dominant force and nobody could had a way to contain them. Well, that's, that's got to feel nice as a tournament director. I mean, you want even teams and you want close games and you don't want anyone to feel like they got shorted talent wise. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, and, and the key, you know, for us is, is our directors because the directors are the ones that live in the regions and find the coaches and the players. Um, and we are, we are blessed to have great directors that really help us have a very competitive tournament. And you also get to work with moose. Yes. The, the moose young hands. Who's been, gosh, he's been running select since 88, hasn't he? Yeah, I, I think uh, it, there was a point in there where they had um, a tough jersey, I believe it was. But uh, Moose and, and Rody from Strauss have been up there forever, and they do an awesome job. Um, I mean, you just, you know, what, what do you say about Moose? You know, the guy's a guy's an absolute legend. Um, he does a great job with that Johnson program. Uh, I personally, and this is just my belief, that if anybody else was running Johnson High School boys hockey, uh, that program would have probably died with the rest of them. But Moose has done a great job of keeping it alive. Do you ever remind him that you were the leading scorer in the St. Paul City Conference in <laughs> 1993 uh, over all of his Johnson studs? I do not. I do not. <laughs> <laughs> but there was a funny side story to that is uh, I and this is I'm, I'm getting old, but uh, this is off memory. Uh, but uh, there's a player that uh, was quite a stud, um, and I think he was either a freshman or an eighth grader that year in Sean Pagreba. Um, and there was an interview once that Moose said the only scoring title Sean never won was whatever year that was, and it was just because he uh, he missed a few games to injury. So um, I've always wanted to let Moose know that, you know what, I'd missed a few games to injury as well. So <laughs> who knows where it would have ended up. <laughs> well, you know, I think, I think you should uh, give him a call. Yeah. <laughs> Give him a call right now and let him know. Hey, Moose. Yeah. Uh, it's not that big of a deal, but yeah, it was funny. Moose is a, Moose is a stud. He's a, he's an institution over there, man. Yep. And Sean Pagreba, I'm looking at my computer right now. 1994, Sean Pagreba led the St. Paul City Conference in scoring. Yeah. Do you want to take a guess at how many points he had? Uh, probably double what I did. <laughs> nope. This is one more thing you can hold over Johnson's head, Todd. You scored 29 points. And Sean had 25. Oh. So it sounds like you have a couple of rub it in phone calls to make. Must have been a couple of those uh, lucky garbage goals. I, I tell you, I was never a very skilled hockey player. I had two things, speed, and somehow the puck ended up on my stick standing in front of the net with the goalie out of position. I don't know what it was. <laughs> well, that uh, sometimes that's all you need, right? Yeah. <laughs> you don't have to have Crosby's moves. Sometimes you just got to stand in front and uh, do the dirty work. Yeah, uh, that's that's what I did. Well, Todd, I really appreciate you taking the time today. We're about uh, about four forty-five minutes in. I think we've done pretty well. We've covered a variety of topics. 
I hope that uh, the rest of your summer goes well. I hope you get back on the ice as soon as you can because I, I have a sneaking suspicion that you're losing it right? <laughs> not being able to been, be in the arena. But uh, thank you so much for coming on. Awesome. I appreciate it. Thank you very much, Peter. Love is a burning thing And it makes a fiery ring Bound by wild desire I fell into a ring of fire